Spurs winner. Bale, oh, lovely range on the ball. It's a fine pass into Harry Kane, who shoots with devastating effect. It is Harry Kane who scores. Son has a shot. The wait is over for Tottenham fans. They now have a new head coach, and that man is Nuno Espirito Santo. Welcome to the State Side Spurs podcast. We are back, and we are um, going to pretend to be happy this evening, Austin, as we are going to preview a match at the Etihad against Manchester City. <laughs> Uh, not our favorite place to go, but, uh, you know, we have to talk about it. Uh, and we also have to review two very tough matches in the Premier League, two losses at home to two mid-table teams. But nonetheless, we are here to discuss all things Tottenham. Hey, man, one mid-table team. The other one's above us in the table now, so. That's true. So I assume we're mid-table as well. So. <laughs> I wasn't really bragging about us. I was just saying in a battle of mid-table teams, we uh, we fell short. So, uh, yeah, we got to discuss some things. Um, and, you know, let's just hop right into it. Well, I guess first off, how are you doing? Uh, how's your week been? What's life looking like for you these days? Things, things going okay. Things are starting to warm up out here finally after a pretty uh, cold winter. So, Looking forward to uh, start doing stuff outside again. Uh, so things, you know, not too many complaints except for the way Spurs are playing. Yeah, it's been really cold here recently. Like really cold. Um, like it just got cold again. It's now like 28 degrees outside. But you know how Texas is. You live in Texas forever. It's just bipolar weather all all the time. Well, it'll probably be 70 in two days. You know. It, I think it will be on Sunday, but. <laughs> Uh, there you go. Anyways, enough about Texas weather. Let's talk Spurs. Uh, we have a lot to discuss, like I said, and I want to just hop right into it. Um, let's let's go back to the Southampton game. Uh, if you remember, we lined up the same as we lined up against Brighton, and uh, that was um, a very tough. I felt like the Southampton game, and not to skip ahead to the end of the game, but. And I, I think I can only imagine that's kind of what Lester felt like um, whenever we robbed uh, them from a victory from three points by scoring two goals in a minute. Granted, they scored two goals in like, I think it was six, seven minute time frame. And it wasn't at uh, two minutes, for, two goals, two, two minutes, okay. 80th, 82nd. OK, but it wasn't. Uh, we still had 10 minutes to equalize, but I yes. feel like that's called it was just karma. Uh, in a nutshell of like, oh, that's how it feels. Okay, yeah, we. Uh, anyways, Southampton lineup. We line up the same way we lined up against Brighton. Um, that was what we expected, right? That that lineup. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, we really only had three healthy center backs, and uh, Hoybier winks because Skip was out. So yeah, made made a lot of sense. Um, so. You know, let, let's just talk about this is going to be kind of the theme of this podcast. And I've been thinking about it as I've been listening to podcasts and just and listening to you and Chris's group me messages back and forth of like, what's the things that Spurs have struggled with for so long? And one of those things is, is 
being able to break a press and something that Southampton did really, really well and, and maintained it for a long period of the game. And, and we've noticed that when we played Liverpool, when we played the likes of, um, you know, Southampton, City, uh, all these teams that don't allow us time on the ball, our midfield crumbles. And that's been kind of the theme ever since uh, 2018, I think, you know, since since Pochettino. Um, even the last season of Pochettino, we started to struggle with it at the end of the oh, year. Since so. Bailey left. Yeah. So uh, let's just kind of uh, talk about that because we need to discuss this midfield uh, of Winks and Hoiberg this game. Uh, and how Southampton pressed us, and we just couldn't really get the ball out of our half. Uh, did you kind of feel that way for the first half of that game, if you can remember? Uh, yeah, and I, I think it's it's a it's a confluence of the fact that having Sanchez um, in the lineup makes us less press resistant in general because it, he, his passing ability is just not the same as some of our other center backs. Um, and then having Winks in the midfield, he's not a press-resistant midfielder. He, uh, he he does pretty well in an open game when he has space in front of him. But when pressed, he tends to panic. Yeah. And I feel like the number one thing you can't do, and this is true in basketball as well, they coach you in basketball, which is what I would probably have more experience with, was when, when the other team does a half-court or full-court press, you just you cannot panic. You have to be able to see the, see where you're passing the ball or know how to dribble out of trouble. And Winks does not have the confidence to dribble out of trouble, and he, he doesn't look forward when getting pressed. He always looks backward, and that just puts more pressure on us. So, And, and not, not to mention that Emerson isn't the best on the ball either. His dribbling ability isn't exactly uh, class. And so, you know, we basically counted on Romero to make a, a line-cutting pass, which he did several times or Regulon to dribble out of trouble. And we just didn't really have a lot of players in the field that were ready for that level of press. I mean, Southampton hit us with a 4-4-2 and basically just pushed all the way up the pitch. And, you know, not to get too far ahead, but when we scored the goal in the second half, it looked like the, the tides were turning. And all that happened is the game got open and we, we stopped defending. But um, the first half, for sure, I mean... It, it was hard to watch us not be able to to get through a very simple press. It wasn't a world class. It wasn't Liverpool pressing us, right? It was a very textbook press, and we just had no answer. Yeah, um, and you know, I thought maybe we would the game would change a little bit when we when we scored first, um, and that was an own goal that you know uh, I believe that was Lucas that that passed it. Was it Emerson? I think it was Emerson actually. Emerson uh, slid it over to Sun, but uh, I think it was what is the defender's name for Southampton that scored it? It's not Vestergaard, right? It's uh, is uh Ben Narek. It was Ben Narek. Ben Narek. Okay. Mm, ben um, Yep. Sorry, I know, I know that's kind of what you said, but um, no, you you pronounced it correctly. I did not. So Ben Narek comes in and uh, you know. Slides it in for us. Whenever we get the lead in those games, though, especially as a Tottenham fan, you don't really expect the whole well, lead. Luger was actually the player that played the ball in the first. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, and so we go up one one nil. But honestly, that first half against Southampton was one of the most frustrating performances I've seen in uh, our the, under Conte. Um, worse than the Chelsea ones in my in my opinion, because the Chelsea ones were like a self demise of like own goals and and like these weird random crazy things and not. While we didn't have possession, like Southampton were like they ha- they could have scored easily two goals in that first half, uh, and then they do mm-hmm. score eventually. But 
uh, off of a huge defensive error. And it just seems do, like. Do you want to know what Google, how Google, uh, the the time, the match timeline in Google, what what how they describe the goal? Yeah, I would love to. Davies slips comically in the box, trying to clear the ball, and gives it to the Saints inside the box. Parade rips whips across across uh, in from the left, and Broha slams it home. Davies slips comically is how Google writes the uh, the commentary there, which it was. It was it was Benny Hill music, right? Yeah, I, that feels pretty accurate. Yeah. I I just use that. I mean, comically is just an interesting uh, adjective or adverb or whatever it is there. Uh, but it it was it was comical. I mean, it was just oh man, Davies, that that was that's a tough moment. So you know, we 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 end up allowing a goal, a well a deserved goal for Southampton in that first half. And the players get booed off. And this is uh this is the theme of this week of, of a halftime at home. Uh, Fans booing the players off the pitch. Um, do you think so? That's just a, a random question. I, I, I'd love to get your opinion. Do you think ever it's an encouraging thing or a thing that fans should do to their the team as they're walking off, like to boo them? Do you think that helps? Um, I will say it. It's pretty unique to English to English or, or European soccer. I mean. You've heard it in the NFL. There, there's a famous uh, moment in Jets football where they boo the team off going into the halftime, and they when Mark Sanchez was the quarterback, and they're screaming, "Tebow, you're our only hope," because Tebow was the backup quarterback at the time. But you don't hear it very much in American sports. Either the crowd is silent, or they're trying to cheer the team on, um, you know, for the second half. I would rather hear the fans get behind them. You know, there's there's no better feeling. Then when you're watching on the on TV, because I've never been in person, um, and the team's behind, but they're they're, they're they're you can tell the there's effort there, and you hear a come on you Spurs chant starting, and it gets so loud you hear it in the broadcast, right? Like I feel like that is so much more powerful than the halftime booze. Um, but you know Conte and with Conte and a few of the personalities in the team, maybe that lights a fire under them. I think it's counterproductive though. Yeah, I, I I understand being frustrated, but you, you know even in a professional work environment, to, there's a whole other half to play. Why are you booing? Yeah, even in a professional work environment, I just find that I'm never going to boo, um, or never going to like like that's not a way to like uplift an employee or uplift a, someone that you're supporting. So I, I, trust me, we were frustrated. We were asking for heads of players and our group me. We were saying there has to be changes. But I just I think that booing, I don't know what that does. Like the players I don't think the players are thinking that they're playing well. Like they don't they they know they're not tricking us. So the booing just seems a little uh I guess oh, doesn't seem like it's helping the team. But anyways, here or there, what do you think uh Conde was talking about at halftime against that Southampton and then that Southampton game? To be brave enough to break the press. I mean, like, I'm surprised more changes weren't made at halftime, to be honest. But, I mean, the only thing I can think he was saying is, look, look, they're just – they're daring you to break the press. All you have to do is be brave enough to play one or two passes forward through the press. Play through it. And Romero, to me, was one of the few players that really looked to do that. 
Uh, he won the ball a couple of times and dummied a few players and looked immediately to play a pass through lines of the opposition. But we had far too many players that had the, uh, you know, the confidence to do that. And that was kind of the theme of the match for me. Yeah. What do you think? Who do you think is our best uh, press resistant midfielder right now? And it's in this world. Skip without a doubt. It could be pitching core. I need to see more because I don't I did not know much of him before coming to Spurs, so it could be Benton Court. But uh, out of the three that were here before January um, or before February, skip, without a doubt. Yeah, I Like agree. head and shoulders above Hoybier and Winks. Uh, Winks is by far the worst. Uh, Hoybier struggles sometimes, too, when, when pressed uh, effectively. Yeah, uh, I, I would I, I would agree. I think that's why I miss Skip so much and, and kind of got exposed oh, yeah. in this game. Um, You've I seen do, under, you saw the stat right under Conte when Skip, Hoybier, and Dyer all start, we have not conceded a goal. And I think the seven matches they started together did not concede in, a, a single goal. Yeah, I do think that is very interesting, only from a stance of like knowing that. The importance of those three players, and but what that what that really means when we're talking about these three players is that's the center of the pitch, right? And right now, it, right now where we're getting picked apart is no one's like press like no one's pressing the ball. There's so much time in the ball in our final third, and that's all oh, yeah. happening right there in that center, um, you know, right in around the 18, where Dyer pushes up, where Skip pushes up, where Horbury pushes. Up. And this reminds me of a conversation we had in the previous podcast where we're talking about. Is Romero's best spot at center back, and I and I was like, no, I think his best spot's at right center back, only because I think Dyer is the person to get people up and, and to to kind of lead the back line. Not that Romero can't. Romero's do that. more of a maverick, right? He's more of a maverick that he's going to go on his own to go win the ball back, but he's not really an organizer. Yeah, and so I also think we're missing Dyer. Um, so oh, yeah. let me let me ask you this question before we talk about second half quickly. Who, if you could pick one player to bring back for the city game, is it Dyer or Skip? Uh, I mean, it's close, but it's got to be Dyer because we have Bentoncourt that might fill a Skip-like role. If Bentoncourt and Hoybier can play together, it's got to be Dyer because if Dyer comes back, that means Romero plays right center back and Davies plays left center back and Sanchez gets a break. Romero gets to be put back in his role running that right side of the pitch. Um, and we'll be more organized in the back. It's got to be dire, but but only by a slim margin, and only because it has knock-on effects across the back five. Um, whereas in the midfield, I think Bentoncourt and Hoybier could be close enough to what Skip gives us. Honestly, I, I'm hoping that we move to a Skip and Bentoncourt uh, midfield eventually, but Dyer's, Dyer has a knock-on effect throughout the entire squad. And uh, how crazy is that, that that's what we're saying now in 2022, right? Where two years ago, people couldn't wait to get rid of Dyer. <laughs> Everyone but Jose Mourinho wanted him gone. And uh, because we brought Jose in, we kept him because Jose loved the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, he outlasted half- Delhi somehow in the squad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Second second half though we got to talk about this because I think it was a lot better performance the first thirty minutes of that second half. Sure. Um and you know we get a goal we get a scrappy goal kind of uh but it's a really really great kind of a counterattack goal off of a what is what would you that was a foul right? No, 
You don't know as a foul. Emerson on a no. I don't know his name. Borjas. Well, oh, well, here's the thing. It's inconsistently called the all day long uh, uh, because it was Borja. There's their striker, I believe. Uh, right. Um, but here, here's the thing. When Kane stands his ground, when someone's in the air, people call bloody murder like he's trying to hurt somebody. Broha was not going for the ball. Emerson was already airborne going for the ball, and Broha stood his ground to get underneath him. So what is Emerson supposed to do there? Like, his elbow was in front of him. His elbow wasn't at an unnatural position. He collided with them because Broha refused to get out of the way and didn't want to challenge the ball. He stood underneath an airborne player. What does he expect to happen? And that's what the referee called. Like, Kane was doing the same thing for, you know, the past couple of years, and Reddit likes to, likes to slander him and say he's trying to intentionally hurt people. Like, it, it, you have to call it one way or the other. It's either a foul on the person that's going underneath the airborne player, which is the way I would actually think that you would want to call this, right? Because the airborne player has no control over his body. He's unprotected. Um, or you have to call it a foul on the airborne player. But I think it's really harsh to say someone jumping for a header gets a foul called on them because the other player just wants to stand there. Um, I don't think that's a foul. And I don't think there's any problem with playing the ball because Broha milked that for all it's worth. And, oh, look, like five seconds after he had been milking it, he almost scores a goal because he's running full speed. He wasn't hurt. He knew that he had to go down. He was trying to get the call. And once he didn't, he stayed down. Um, There's also a stat, uh, I don't don't know if you call it a stat, but this was on Reddit. It was a post. Um, I think in the past three months, every single match, Southampton has had a player go down between the 60th and 75th minute and stay down to get medical attention. And everyone else on their team goes and gets a gel pack or sports drink for rehydration. And it's happened every match, like 10 matches in a row. So to me, it's a strategy on their part in the second, in the midway of the second half. And Broha thought he could get a foul called and it didn't lead to the goal. Like there was multiple passes that led to the goal after that. Um, I think that was much to do about nothing. Okay. Well, I'm not going to argue with you there. Um, Do you think it was a foul? No. Because some people did, and, and I can see people thinking that, you know, it's been called before, but I don't know. No, I think it'd be really uh, hard uh, to call it yeah, back. Yeah, I foul. think you're right. I don't think that that's a foul. Um, I think it could be though. It has been in the past, so it's uh, inconsistent. Yeah. So, but it is what it is. We score a second goal. Uh, Conte gets fired up. At this oh point. yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Conte this fired up in a long time. Um, and that's the passion that like we want in our manager, right? Like we, um, are just like, well, he was mad at the other team's coaches. Like he was, he was getting, he was being held back. Yeah. Because they were bitching and, and, and moaning about, um, that being a foul. So Conte gets fired up when Conte gets fired up. Is it just me or do you have this insane amount of confidence that we're going to win this game? Yeah. Cause it usually is the case. <laughs> It it just feels like I, I don't know how we did not win this game. Well, we didn't win because of lack of effort. I mean, you know, we didn't lose because of lack of effort is what I should say. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe so. I think we got caught out with two really good crosses in pouring rain. And, um, you know, I, I will say that I think. 
I think our midfield failed to close down the cross the, the crossers. They both came from from very good positions. And who were the? Um, did you did you recognize who the closest players were for both of those? I mean, first off, James Ward Prowse. I mean, one of. Well, I'm starting to get mixed up between the Wolves because I know the Wolves match is more fresh in my mind. I know Winks was really close to one of those in the Wolves match, but in in the Southampton match, I cannot remember. Um, I think it was Bit Bittencore and Son. Um, were you can never two- really blame a, a striker for not closing down. Uh, the the one the one the first cross was just an amazing ball in, yeah. um, and it was more on the back line to to mark the runners, um, and I think Sanchez just really failed to he Sanchez is not a good positional center back he's a one on one defender, yeah. you ask him to to guard an area and he loses his mind. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Sanchez is not the best defender, and that game was uh, just a a. a an example of why we need a new right wing back and why we need Dyer back to move Romero to right center back. Um, I just think that date that David, that Sanchez, Lucas, and uh, Emerson triangle is so fragile in confidence right now. Yeah. And so the, it, moving the ball with the right side of the pitch is just not even an option. It feels like it's just Lucas's run of form was great when it happened, but it, it, it's it's done. Yeah. He he has a three month run of form every season, and I think it's ran its course. Yeah. So we can see two goals from from my opinion, a top three. Um, I think the only person I can think of that I would prefer to have the ball from a like from that area would be De Bruyne. Other than that, I think it would be James Ward Prowse. Just he can he he has that in his locker. That's what he at. That's what he's known for, right? Free kicks. I mean, he can put that ball anywhere he wants it to be. There's a lot of – I think he's probably one of those underrated players. And, and Chris and I have talked about this, and we've been talking about this on the podcast, but he's one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. And I'm ball surprised. Ball. His ability his ability to place the ball where he wants to, I don't think he's very – like I don't think he's the most athletic, and I don't think his, his running ability or dribbling ability is that great. But if you give him a dead ball or give him space in the ball, he'll put it wherever you want, and he'll put it on a postage stamp. Yeah. And – uh, man, did he put those on postage stamps? Because he did. He put those passes on a postage stamp. And we get back into the game on a goal that ties it up in the 91st minute. And Stevie B, the late show again. Um, but offsides. Correct call, clearly, right, Austin? Yes, he, 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 I mean, that's, that's not even a VAR thing. I mean, that's like, he was like a full, like his foot was like a full foot offsides. You know, so you said something earlier that this felt like a reverse Lester. Here's my problem with that. Do you know, or do you don't have the stats pulled up right now, do you? I do not. Okay. Do you know how many shots and shots on target we had in the match? Oh, Southampton dominated us. I meant from the sense of, like, I think Southampton had 24. We had, like, 11 or 12. We had eight shots. They had 23. We had three on target. They had 10. Yeah. Um, they also had more passes than us. Here, here's my thing. We gave them the ball. Whether it was Conte's instruction or not, we gave them the ball. They had 53% possession. They had 40 more passes than us. Um, and we didn't compete for the ball enough. And they had, I mean, they tripled our shots, literally tripled our shots. Um, the two the two quick goals in the 80th minute 
were felt harsh. But as we said, they could have scored three in the first half. Um, the, the problem with this game was we were dominated for 60 of the 90 minutes, I feel like, by a, by a truly mid-table side that on, on the road has done next to nothing this season. Call it, you know, call it like I see it, that that performance was was was, you know, just poor top to bottom. And I think the players didn't expect Southampton to come out with the press they did. But I think also think that Conte didn't really set the team up to succeed. I think he's been writing one formation, one group of players. Um, and, you know, to, to segue a little bit, we saw changes at the Wolves game, right? Yeah, and so I agree. We got dominated that Southern game, and I think it's more credit to like I think Hassan Hudel. He has something. He, he he will play one way. You know how Southampton is going to approach every game, right? They're going to play, play high pressing. They've they've lost two games nine zero, I think nine nil two games so far in the past like four years in the Premier League. Like that's insane to lose two games nine to zero, but he doesn't change. So I just don't understand how managers go into a game if you're and and see that this is the way they're going to play and not adapt to that. Mourinho did it. We saw it at Southampton away when Sun scored four, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but credit to Southampton, they deserve that those three points. Uh, you're you're right that we did change things up with Wolves. Um, three three pretty big changes. Um, both of our wingbacks are subbed out. Sassanian comes in for Rehilon, and Emerson takes a step to the side for Doherty, and uh, Benjamin Core gets a start, and Hoiberg takes uh, his spot on the bench for the first time in the Premier League um, that wasn't injury or COVID-related. Uh, what are your thoughts on these changes when the lineup comes out? They're kind of the changes I expected, except I, I was surprised that Hoiberg sat instead of Winks. Um, but as far as the wing backs being substituted, I, I kind of saw it coming. I, I had hoped that he wouldn't start Lucas again. And the reason for that is that Wolves is an incredibly solid defensive team and you're not going to dribble past them. You're not going to run past them and just dribble through them, which is what Lucas gives you. And so I was really worried when I saw Lucas start instead of Kulisevsky because I, I wanted more creativity and, you know, to that point, 28 minutes in, we're already down two, we're already down two nil, and we see a change. Yeah. And Kulisevsky comes in. Yeah. Um. So we got to talk about these goals. Um. I, I think we're gonna kind of differ a little bit here, but that's okay to differ. I think that's yeah. important. It's important to have a different uh, view on things. So let's talk about the first goal. Um. I'll let you go first. Walk me through the first goal and who's to blame. Uh, the defense is not glorious. It's the defense. No one. They give. They give. Um, Neves all day to shoot. Um, there. If you go back and look at the still image, there are five Spurs players within like five yards of him, and nobody in the box. And so no one closes down Neves, and then there's nobody in the box to clean up the the rebound. Luis makes a good save. Um, and, and is trying desperately to clear it, but none of his defenders come, and nobody marks marks Jimenez, and they put it away. Um, and, and Louis still almost kept out that shot by Jimenez. Um, I think I think Louis was left on an island to do everything by himself, and it looks bad in in, in like first looking or first viewing, 
but no, the 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 defense in the in the midfield were just completely out of position. Somehow all of them were outside of the box, but no one was closing down the shooter. And then once the shot comes in, there's no one in the box to clear the rebound. Uh, it's just, I mean, horrible for like five or six players. They're all. It looked like you know when you look watch youth soccer and everyone plays uh, like crowd ball, like everyone just runs in a crowd. That's what it looked like. Crowd ball. There was no organization whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you. It did seem very um, unorganized, uh, to say the least. Uh, And that is the one that I was referring to earlier with Winks, where he is probably standing three yards away from Neves, and he's backing up, pointing at Neves, seemingly saying, somebody close him down, instead of Winks being the one to close him down. Um, and that's not what you want from your defensive midfield, right? You want them to someone take the responsibility and close down the freaking shooter. Um, and Winks is standing there pointing, "Hey, someone go close him." Well, what are you doing? You're 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 <laughs> you're closing a passing lane when there's no passing lane to be closed. Like, what are you doing? Um, yeah, uh, Luis was left out to dry there. So I agree with you. And I think everything that you're saying is is accurate and right. The only thing that I have an issue with is the um, the the second shot that was blocked was a very soft shot, and his and his punch I think could have been a catch. I don't think it was a very uh, tough shot to to catch together. Possibly, yeah. And so I, I would I, love to have Chris on for that reason because Chris might the goalkeeper might have a good good opinion on that i i have no idea um but that's possible yeah so that would be my only take on that is that i just don't know how much that that was actually um how much you can actually blame um the defense because yeah the shot shouldn't get off he makes a good save the second save was a weak shot, and he the punch that he hits falls straight. To well, why is the why is the donker the, the the first one too? The, the that's the first second rebound. goal. Oh, the first rebound. Oh, I, I would have to go back and watch. So that. so so there's a shot from Neves. The donker puts the second shot in. That's that's then punched away, and then Jimenez finally puts it away. So my my question is, why is the donker given the ability to to latch on that rebound when we have so many players back? Yeah, and that's a good question. Maybe the real question here is, how come we keep having this issue? How is Dundonker? Dundonker, yeah. I don't don't like the name. How come he is um, getting in their box like that? Where's our, I mean. It's not the first time he's he's scored against us, because he scored the second one, right? It's not the first time he's scored against us either. Yeah, no, he definitely scored the second one as well. I just I find it funny that he's going in the box. I'm going to rewatch this real quick. Uh, Neves does get a shot from about 25 yards out. Uh, Winks and um, – who is that? Winks and Davies. Winks and Davies both kind of look at each other like, who's going to press? And neither, neither does. Neither of them press. Um, and then – If there's one guy on the on Wolves that you don't give space outside the box to shoot, it's – Freaking Neves, it's who definitely, he only scores from outside the box. It's definitely weeks man to press, but then okay, yeah, you need to you need to rewatch this. Dendonker's effort is is a weak, weak, weak effort, and definitely Hugo should catch it. Yeah, because he's got no pressure around him either. It's Sanchez that's by him. 
Uh, and I get that Play, playing in the game, it's a, it's a, it happens a lot faster and a lot quicker. But when you watch this back, you'll be like, how does he not just catch that? Um, and Jimenez is a world. He's he's a great striker. Um, you know, even oh, yeah. with the head injury, he's still a great striker. So, giving that goal up in the first six minutes, tough to see. Um, we go on to uh, the second goal. The second goal happens right after the or right before the right after the 17 minute mark. Um, and that is uh, who's at fault here? Well. You're missing the fact that Sun has Sun a breakaway does, goal, has, has a breakaway goal opportunity, and misses the 17th minute. Yes, you're right. Sun does have a he, breakaway. He cuts in and makes the probably the weakest shot I've ever seen Sun put in in his entire Spurs career. Uh, this we can agree on. A uh, very, very, very weak shot uh, from Sun. Um, the second he cut in, I knew he wasn't scoring because you know Sun on form. Just takes that takes the takes the acute angle and just tries to beat the keeper near post. Um, Sun's just not doesn't have the confidence right now, man. He just he's just he's just out of he's just a little bit out right now. Um, and we see we know this with Sun, right? He'll have three or four months where he's world class striker, then a couple you know six eight weeks where he's struggling. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it informs Sun, especially against a team wearing yellow. Bangs at home. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, that that could have been one one easily. Probably changes. Such the game. an amazing pass from Betancourt too to set that up. Yeah, probably changes the game a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, that is a great pass from Betancourt right through the heart of their defense. But now I got to talk is a minute, a minute, literally a minute afterwards, uh, we collapse at the back again um, because Wolves are pressing. So what yeah. do you see here? Well, it's not a great pass from Hugo, but Davies just panics and just does what I would do on a on a football pitch and just panics and just kicks it into no man's land. Kick it out of bounds. Kick it up the sideline. Like, do anything but kick it right up the middle directly to Potence or directly to Donker. He, he, you know, directly to him. And we're at, we're at sixes and sevens. And... Um, you know, Lloris makes one save, um, but you know, it, well, again, Lloris doesn't make a save. It it gets a crazy. Well, what I'm reading, what I'm, the commentary I'm reading is that the shot is is saved by by Lloris, but deflects to Sanchez. Um, no, the shot, and the shot it didn't score into Denucker. Its shot is uh, Sanchez is there to block the shot. Uh, and then uh, it hits off of Bentoncourt because he's turned the other way, and then off Bentoncourt hits off the post, and then back out to Dendocker. It's like pinball. Yeah, um, but all set up because Davies panics as a center back and just boots it straight up the middle instead of just kicking out of bounds, dude. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Is that the first thing they teach you that if you don't know where to kick it as a defender, just kick it out of bounds and then reset? I'm just I mean, guessing. It, it should be. Um, but him putting it out for a corner would have been better. Yeah. So walk me through. Whose fault is this goal? Davies. I'm gonna put most of it on Davies. It's on most of the team because after Davies has a horrible clearance, nobody nobody cleans it up for him. Um, and he was put in a tough spot because Hugo did not make the best pass. But if your keeper gives you a bad pass, just kick it out of bounds and then yell at your keeper like, "Hey, Hugo, what the hell was that?" But don't don't compound a small error and make it a big error. Yeah. So 
I gotta blame Davies for this one. Yeah, and we know we we know Hugo's not good with his feet, so it's okay. Like he's gonna make he, he he's gonna make mistakes. He's allowed mistakes too. Okay, the yes. problem is when a goalie makes a mistake, it's it's compounded as a goal, and it's harder. But like Sun, if, Sun if, made if a mistake. Just, Sun made a mistake just, by not if Davies just takes care of it and kicks that out of bounds. You're not compounding the mistake. If we if we concede from the throw-in, that's a completely different situation than than what happened, right? Like your defenders are, are supposed to like pick you up in that moment because it wasn't such a horrible pass that it's not like Hugo gave the ball to the opposition. He just passed it slightly behind Davies, and Davies just panics. Um, man, I'm just. I'm still are you thinking Hugo's at fault here? No, I'm not. Thinking. I agree with what you're saying. Uh, it's just frustrating. I think that what I'm what I'm going to get at here is that like the difference between it was an MLS goal is what it was. The difference between uh, a striker and a goalie is when a striker doesn't makes a mistake. That's Son not finishing his chance on a one on one, and then that's Hugo passing the ball to the side and then they score a goal or not or punching when he should catch it and scoring a goal. They're both mistakes. One's just highlighted and is a lot harder to come back from. So there's a lot of pressure on goalie. So I'm not going to blame Hugo. I think Hugo is still one of our best players. And he made some other great saves that game. And he made a lot of great saves against Southampton, too. So um, honestly, this Wolves game, even even Bruno Lodge made a comment about, like, oh, they're easy to figure out. They play. We just got to overload the midfield. Like, they, they played a 19-year-old against us. Kundal's his name? I mean... Uh, Kendall. Yep. Yeah. That never heard of him before. Yeah. And dominated our midfield. And when they do that, and we cannot beat them on the, um, the press. Well, why did Chelsea beat us three times in two weeks? Um, they packed the midfield. They're better than us. Twice. Well, they are better than us, but they didn't beat us by a whole bunch. It's not like they dominated us. It was pretty small margins most of those games. It's the fact that they packed the midfield. I mean, they played a 4-3-3 out of nowhere one game, but that was three midfielders against two. And the other two games, they played their 3-5-2, where they have three three center mids. That's all you have to do against Conte's system right now is you play three center mids, even if it's a 19-year-old no one's ever heard of, and our system doesn't know how to deal with it because we don't have the two quality center mids to handle that. You know, yeah. you give us prime, prime Moussa Dembele, Oh, man, we're in business right now. But you put Harry Winks out there, and this is my problem with Conte right now, where I think you have to put some onus on him, is that he's 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 selecting these players. He chose to play Winks, start Winks in both these games, and played him 90 minutes in both games. Yeah. You know, he's he's choosing to play, play uh, Winks when he knows Winks sucks against the press, or at least he should know, because every fan knows it. Um. You know, he's choosing to play at 3-4-3 when we have now a legitimate number 10. Now, he's only been in the squad a couple of weeks. But, like, he's choosing to play a 3-4-3 and not give not give an outlet, a passing outlet to those center midfielders. He's choosing to continue with a back three when we only have three healthy center backs instead of switching to a back four and playing more midfielders. Like, he's making these choices. So, you know... I don't know. I mean, we'll see against City. I have no very little hope against City because if there's one thing City has, it's a world-class midfield. So if if we got beat by Kundal, imagine what City's going to do to us. 
That's my worry. Yeah. Um, I would like to say something, though. I think the second half was a lot better. Um, a lot better as, as a whole. Um, I guess we're just kind of like reaching for things here by saying that. But uh, it felt like we were in, in the driver's seat. Uh, for the majority of the second half. Early on, they had some chances. Jimenez had a chance, and Hugo made a great save. Like I said, Hugo made three or four really good saves. This game could have been way out of hand um, pretty early on in the game uh, if it wasn't for Hugo. Um, but not early. It could have been even more out of hand, like 4-0 four, four at 60 minutes. But I, the second half was an improvement. What did your what were your thoughts on uh, Kulu? I'm calling him Kulu. What were your thoughts on Kulu? Kulusevsky? Yeah. Um, I like what I see from him a lot. Um, I think he has a really deft touch when it comes to passing and putting weight on the ball. Um, he's not the fastest player in the world, but he's got good size, so he's going to win headers. He's really good at pressing. Uh, we've seen that already in his short time here at Spurs. He's really good at pressing from the front. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him playing in more middle areas of the pitch. And really right now, I mean, I get why people are saying that Bergwijn deserves to start. But Bergwijn really needs to play on the left to, to be effective. That's where we've seen him be effective, either coming in for a left wing back or coming in for Sun. He's just not effective on the right or through the middle. He really needs to basically play in that Sun role. I would take Lucas out for Kulisevsky right now and just play Sun and Kane up top as a strike partnership because Kulisevsky has the ability to be a uh, passing outlet for the midfielders, to win headers and be more of a target number 10 uh, for the center backs to find because he's a tall, lanky guy, which, you know, Lucas wins a lot of headers, but he's not really a hold-up player. Um, and he gives us a different dom- dimension. I mean, Lucas needs needs some time on the bench to be a super sub again because he's, he's just kind of run his – he's kind of run the course on that hot vein of form he had uh, at the back end of 20, uh, 2021. Um, I, I really am encouraged – Michael Lusevsky a lot. And let's face it, we just let Deli and Dombele and Lacelso and Hill all go out on either loan or permanence, who are all players who could possibly play a number 10. We literally have nobody else. So why not try it? Yeah. We literally have nobody else to be a number 10 except for if we wanted to drop Kane from striker. Uh so Yeah. Let's talk about this uh Kulu had one of the best chances of the game in the seventy sixth minute. Uh, left-footed shot from right at the the, the center of the 18-yard box, uh, that little half circle there. Um, really, really good chance from Kulu. Just wide. Uh, very tough shot, though, from, from that distance. Um, I think this is where probably, I mean, that's the Winks that we thought we were, we were starting to get back. I don't know if you remember, Winks played that ball uh over the top to Davies. Davies headed it across to Kulu, and then Kulu had that uh, one touch and then a volley. Um, why can't Wings do that more often? Is it is it because they've backed off and they're not pressing anymore? Where how come Wings is so hot or cold when he wants to to do those things? So so which which minute are you talking about here? It's it's the Kulu chance. Remember he he's a left footed volley, almost hits the the corner. It's the 76th minute. Um, I don't know. Well, so so before that, we had a few other really good chances, though. Kane was one-on-one with the keeper in the 57th minute, and it was saved by Saw. Uh, he was released literally one-on-one, and 
doesn't get it around the keeper. We hit the we hit off the post in the 65th minute. Uh, Winks gets the the ball bounces the Winks after a free kick, and he actually has a really good shot. Uh, takes a wicked deflection that hits off the post. If you remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, Kane Kane found Son with a great pass, uh, but uh, in the 74th minute, and Son was wide. Is that the one you're talking about? No, seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, then right after that, three minutes yeah. right after that, Davies, Wings, Wings Davies top, actually Davies, um, Davies puts a header inside to Kulisevsky. Yep. Yeah. So Wings hits it over the top to Davies, he's running. Davies heads it across. Kulu touches it and then volleys it um, just wide. Um, yeah. That actually goes, hit the post. Did it? Nick it, the post? it almost takes the post. Yeah, almost takes the post. Yeah. It's really, really close. Um. So. Yeah, I think that's just what I'm thinking about. It's like the, the, those are the the passes from that we want to see from Wings. Why? Well, why he's given time. Okay, so it's a he time wasn't being pressed at that time. Uh, the last 15 minutes of the game, Wolves weren't really pressing us. We were given the ball. We had possession. In a in, in a situation where we are given time and we have possession, we are you know Winks Winks. Finds his form, he finds his ability, but if if the if he's pressed at all, uh, he he crumbles. I mean, it's that simple. In an open game or a game where we're given the ball, Winks is very serviceable. Yeah, I agree. Um, one one other clear cut chance we have it's the, the Kane diving header. Um, do you remember that one? Yeah, I'm guessing so. By the way, well, so I mean he. Kane had a handful of chances in this game, honestly. I mean, I, I touched on the one-on-one with Saw. He also um, had a shot uh, at, from the edge of the area in the 83rd minute. and Well, that's the one he got pushed over. And you were like, how's it not a foul? Yes. Uh, it looked like a horrible shot, but he clearly was being shoved as he, as he, as he uh, took the shot. Yeah, Cuddle. Cundle or Cuddle? I'm calling him Cuddle. Cundle. Uh... <laughs> Kundal fouled him there. In my opinion, that was very clear, but uh, it was not called. Saw um, made a point blank range save on Kane's diving header. That's a great save. Uh, no, it was a def- that was he made a save on Romero's header right after that. Eighty uh, eighth minute. Are you talking yeah. about late in the game? No, it was a Kane header. No, the Kane header diving save was uh, hit hit Dundalk, Dundalk, blah, 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 Dundalker, whatever his name is. Uh, who he had no knowledge he was there. It hit his back. Um, hmm. Yeah, because there was two right after, one right after the other, uh, and then, uh, yeah. I mean, we we were putting some chances in towards the end, but I mean, too little, too late. It was, it was better, but I mean, we we didn't get a goal back for half, and and you know, I think if we score early in the second half, to me, the chance really was Sun. Um, Son, when Sun found Kane in the 57th minute and Kane's one-on-one to keeper, that's that's the moment where I was like, okay, we're going to get back in this. And when Kane can't get around the keeper, I kind of knew, even though it was early on in the first half, the second half, I was like, that's this, this isn't going to happen for us. Yeah, we, we need that sense of urgency earlier on in the game, I think. Oh, yeah. That, that's the problem. It's like you wait, you're waiting until the last 20 minutes for that sense of urgency, so... But uh, the game ends and we we squander our our grasp or our our destiny on 
on having a chance for top four. Now we just have to continue to play each and every game and hope that win the games and watch the teams around us struggle because all those teams that are fighting for the fourth spot are struggling. Um, with that being said, um, Austin, who's your favorite for top four? Who, who's the fourth spot right now if you to pick? I mean, we still have two games. We still have three games at hand on both West Ham and United. Um, Arsenal actually had a game in hand on uh, are on the same matches, same amount of matches as us. So we are three points back of Arsenal. I honestly still think that Arsenal and Spurs probably have the best chance mathematically because we have three games in hand still. Um, I think way too much faith is being put in United. I keep seeing people saying United are going to finish fourth, but this is a team that is struggling just as much as we are to find an identity and to find a way to win. I mean, people are giving them credit for the fact that they that they don't lose. But, I mean, if you go back and look at United's, I mean, it drew Southampton, drew Burnley, um, had to get by on penalties in the FA Cup of Middlesbrough, um, you know, one nil against, against West Ham. I mean, they drew Aston Villa. This is a team that's struggling as well. And, I, you know, I, I don't trust West Ham or Wolves for, to, you know, long-term to be able to, to put it together. So, I mean, I think Arsenal, Spurs, and United all have kind of equal chances. If we had won, if we had gotten four points this week, I would say that we would be the odds-on favorite. And honestly, Chelsea should be looking out for us because we still have two games at hand on them. But at this point, you know, we... We've got to stop the bleeding. We're already probably looking at as another zero points this week, uh, which will be the first time that Spurs have lost four consecutive league matches in the Premier League history. In Premier League history, if uh, we if we lose this weekend against City, so I mean, I hate to say it, but Arsenal are in a really good spot. Yeah. Um, the good the good news is Arsenal's about to come to us and play, and uh, based off of historics, uh, historically speaking. That's usually a game that the home team wins, regardless of, of where you are. Or it's, a, it's, it's, or it's historically a game the away team doesn't win, because we've had a lot of draws with them as well. True. So, all right, we got to preview the City game. Um, Do we have to? Can we yeah. just leave it at, I uh, hope, we have I to. Hope uh, we should have to win? You know, here's the good thing about City, uh, is um, no one's expecting anything out of us. I think that maybe... Tottenham sometimes play their best when expectations are at a low. And boy, are they at a low heading into the Etihad this week. And City have won 14 of 15 in the Premier League, haven't lost since I believe December 7th of 2021. So over about nine weeks without losing. Um, they just stomped Sporting um, sporting in uh, the Champions League 5 0 uh, on the road. Um, Austin, how do you line up for the City match on, on Saturday? How do I or how do I think? How would you line up? Uh, the big question is right wing back. You know, assuming Dyer's healthy, you play Dyer, Davies, and Romero in the back line. You've got to play Regulon. And the big question is, do you trust Doherty or do you trust Emerson? And I don't really trust either of them right now. I think you play Emerson because he's more defensively minded. Um and I would play, I would play, if, you know, Skip's not going to be ready. So I would play Hoybier, Hoybier, Bentancourt, and Kulisevsky in a midfield three with Sonny Kane up top. I would leave Lucas and Bergwijn off the bench to bring them both on in the second half. But I would I would start Kulisevsky in a midfield three 
as a number 10 to give us some chance at competing in the midfield. Um, and then have Simon Kane up top to hit him on the counter. You know, you know, the good news is we're all despondent about City, but um, in our last, I mean, if you look at in the Premier League, one, we've won our last three matches against them in the Premier League. 1-0, 2-0, 2-0. And we drew the match before that. They actually haven't beaten us in the Premier League since uh, April 20th, 2019. And that was a one no win. Um, now that was that was the end of like a four five four match win streak they had against us. But we've had a pretty decent record against them in the past few years. You know, we had the 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 the, the Champions League tie where we we won four four on away goals. Um, we we drew them in the Premier League away at City two two back in August 2019. We have a pretty decent record against them because we frustrate them. You know, we, we not. So, you know, yeah, we lost the League Cup final to them, but we tend to frustrate the hell out of them. So, um, oh, I'm sorry, I am forgetting one Premier League, but we, we, we've won three of the last four Premier League matches, sorry, against them. We didn't lose three now. Um, we tend to frustrate them, though. So, you know, my hope is. They're coming off a Champions League match. You know, maybe they rotate and we can just frustrate them until the second half and hit them on the break. But I'm honestly expecting to get dominated because we struggle when against teams with a competent midfield and a competent press. And City press incredibly well and have the best midfield in the world, probably. Yeah. Uh and they play with they play with they play without a striker, right? I mean, basically, right? I mean, they play with Jesus just as often as they play without him, right? So, and I think Jesus is injured. He might be back for this game, but uh, I don't really think that it matters, honestly. Just imagine uh, when they get Holland this summer. Yeah, um, I prefer not to. Uh, <laughs> I prefer not to think about that world. My hope is that Pep leaves, and uh, we don't have to think about that. Um, that being a thing, so I think Holland's dad played for City actually, or was a City fan, one of the two, and he has said he wants to go there. So I don't know if that matters. But anyways, I'm not optimistic. I have this small amount of hope that you know we've we've been able to to dig out results against City in the past few years. Maybe that will continue. Soccer, you know, football is a weird sport like that. Yeah. Um. I think that this game is a game that the uh, that I hope that we're up for. Um, I know a lot of people are saying like that they don't want to watch it. Just assume that you don't. You're not going to get anything from this game. Um, I think that's naive in soccer. That's why you play the game uh, because it's always possible. Anything's possible, you know. Um, we we knocked City out of the Champions League uh, without Kane uh, over two legs. So. Uh, well, just, that was probably Sun's best two matches I've ever seen him play. Well, Sun does love a game against City. He does. Um, I there's a there's a distinct possibility I'll be watching this match with a City fan, unfortunately. Oh no! Yeah. My my wife's my wife's uh, like uh, little from her sorority lives here now, and her husband uh, is a City fan. And I think I got roped into a, uh, a brunch slash brewery situation to watch the game with them. And um, 
Now, he's not like a diehard City fan, but he's still a City fan. And I've already told him, like, I'm expecting to get destroyed. You know, I'm setting expectations, but yeah, it may not be. Um, it may be a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> well, we got to do predictions here. Austin, what are your thoughts here on this City, uh, city match on Saturday? 3-1 loss. Wow. Predicting a loss, Austin. Well, Austin, you leave me in a tough situation here. I'm going to go a 1-1 draw. I thought you were going to go 2-2 draw. I'm surprised. 1-1 um, draw. I think we score first in City. We just we hold on to our, our, uh, our, our panties as tight as we can for about 50 minutes. Um, and I, th- I, I think any Spurs fan would take a point at the Etienne, right? I will take any result that is not a loss. I would take a 5-5 draw. I would take a draw with three red cards. I would take anything that gets well, us a point. I don't know about three red cards, but... I, I would take a point any way I can get it, almost. Uh, we're, so we are expecting to see Dyer back this game, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. He's in training. Um, and you've got to think that Conte is dying to have Dyer uh, back in the lineup. I see what you did there. Dying to have Dyer. There you go. It's a pretty uh, dire situation. You're not wrong. Uh, okay. Well, uh, Chris is going to go 3-0 Tottenham. Uh, he didn't text me that, but I'm going to go ahead and, and speak, that in, speak, that into, <laughs> speak that into existence. Thanks, Chris. Uh, and, guys, we know it's that was, been a that tough That was Q's week. pick. That was Q's pick. Yeah. We know it's been a tough week to be a Spurs fan, but, um, you know, I, I believe, and we talked about this briefly, and we can spend a couple minutes on this. I, don't, I know it's late, but uh, I believe that Levy and, and, and Enoch are going to invest heavily into this team in the summer based on what the January transfer window looked like with outgoings. And so I think we just need to be patient with the squad that we have, which is going to be frustrating this spring, uh, but expect some massive changes coming this summer. I, I mean, from from your lips to God's ears, right? I mean, I'm I'm really hoping that 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 the that everything we're seeing with Conte's interviews and what happened in January leads to proper investment, where we're getting players who are ready, to, who are starting quality players right away. Um, right wing back, center back, possibly center mid, possibly a forward. You know, we need at least two of those, uh, at the very least, and. You know, if we get that, sky's kind of the limit. Um, but but we need some reinforcements pretty heavily. We, you know, I play a lot of FIFA online squads. I I don't do FIFA Ultimate Team. That that's stupid. I play uh, just online seasons with like the live rosters. It's really sad, Colin. I uh, I, I put my starting lineup out, and then I have a bench that has Lucas Bergvine. Winks, Skip, um, Sessignon, and Davies with the goalkeeper, right? Only two of those players are 80 or above rated in FIFA. And then my reserves, there's only three players that you've really ever heard of. It's Tanganga. Uh, I'm sorry, Sanchez was, was, was one of the players on the bench. So Tanganga, Sessignon, and Scarlett. The rest are youth players. So we have a small squad, man. We've got maybe 20 first-team players if you count two goalkeepers. I mean, we, we've got a small squad now of senior players. 
But that just means there's a lot of room for improvement. There's a lot of room to bring players in where we, for one time, for once, we don't have to hear the words we have to sell to get to bring in players, right? Like, that's yeah. what I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, here's to uh, here's to hope. It's all we have as Spurs fans. Um, here's to always appreciating what you have because I don't think we realize how lucky we were those uh, three years under Pochettino where we were flying high. And hopefully Conte can get us back there um, sometime soon. But uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. We appreciate you sticking with us as we discuss all the negative things that are surrounding Tottenham at this moment uh, and believing and, and hoping that we can get a result this weekend. Uh, and as always, Austin, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Facebook at the Stateside Spurs or tweet at Spurs Stateside.